Welcome to Passion Life Church. How many of you believe that God has a great plan for your life, a hope, and a future? Well, today, welcome to part one of a new series that we're simply entitling Hope and a Future. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody excited about the future that you believe that God has for you? And uh, because God has a future for you. And this series is taken from one of my favorite verses that we're going to dive in today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And I want to tell you, there is a future for you. There is a future for you. And God's going to talk to us through the prophet Jeremiah about this future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts. One translation says the plans. Everybody say there is a plan. How many of you are glad that God has a plan even when you don't know the plan? There is a plan. And let me tell you something about God. He's going to stick to the plan. We may not, but he will. There is a plan. And maybe you're like, man, I don't know what that plan is. The good thing is, is he will reveal that plan to you. He'll help you get on the plan. But it says, for I know the thoughts, one translation, the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. And look at what the plans involve. Thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I've entitled today, the title of my message today is From Now Until Next, from now, what do we do from now till the future that God has for us? Because I believe that there are some of you in this room that still have dreams. I believe that some of you in this room still have things that God wants you to accomplish, things that are in your life, things of future, things of dreams, and somehow we get and we forget about those dreams that God has for us because maybe it's for a plethora of reasons because of the circumstances that are happening, or maybe I'm just not in a place where I I need to be or should be, but there's still a dream in my heart. How many of you have a dream maybe in your heart that you know that God wants you to do. Well, Pastor Phil, I don't know if I have a dream. I don't know what my purpose is. Well, let me give you some good encouragement. If you're alive, God has a purpose for you and God is not done with you. Will you just turn to your neighbor and still see if they're alive? Because I don't know. Just make sure that they're alive. And if you are alive, God has a purpose for you. But what do we do from now till next? Over the course of your life, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had some, what we would call maybe side jobs or odd jobs? How many of you have ever had those? How many of you would say in the lifetime you probably at least had three? Let me see. There were the jobs that, that, that pay the bills, kind of. You know what I'm talking about? They're not where you want to be, but it's kind of, it's you got to do it to do it. How many of you had at least in your lifetime, maybe seven odd jobs? Let me, let me see. Let, let me see your hands. All right, you can put those on. I won't ask you how many right now are actually in an odd job, or I, I won't ask you that. I, I won't uh, embarrass you with that. But uh, the, what happens, I think, is let me define odd jobs. There are those jobs that like Danielson had to do when he had to paint the fence, remember, and sand the floor. Right? He wanted to learn karate, and he said, Mr. Miyagi, I want to know karate. He said, Miyagi, it's Miyagi, paint the fence, sand the floor. Remember? Wax on, 
wax on. And many times we are like Daniel's son and what we don't even realize is the car that we are waxing on and waxing off, God wants to give us. And Mr. Miyagi actually gave Daniel's son the car of his choice, but when he was in his now, he didn't realize that he was actually working towards his next. And so we have a now. But we know that God has a next for our life. I had many side jobs. I had uh, some odd jobs. One of my odd jobs that was really odd was um, I worked at Jersey Shore Medical Center in uh, Tom's River, or is in New Jersey area there. And uh, my odd job was I was wanted to be a youth pastor, so I was volunteering as a youth pastor, not getting paid, working full-time for the church, but not getting paid, but working full-time at the hospital. And uh, as I worked at Jersey Shore Medical Center, one of the things in my odd job was I had to take the deceased, for those of you that don't know what that means, the dying patients, the patients that died, it was my job to take them down to the morgue, put a toe tag on them and take them down to the morgue. Man, that just really wasn't my thing. I'm not a hospital kind of guy. And as a matter of fact, even now I, I go there to pray for people and it's not like, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, no, no, big deal. No, no, for me, I'm not just a hospital guy, but because I love you, I will visit you in the hospital. But not only did I have to toe tag, I actually worked the night shift. And so I worked the night shift and there was many times at 12 o'clock at night, I had to go pick up a dead body and take it down to the morgue by myself. Come on, somebody. I told you this job was really odd. And it was odd. But you know what? It wasn't where I wanted to be. But I knew in those moments that God was using these times to train me for next. And I, I, like I said, to me, I was very grossed out. Wouldn't even really go to a hospital. But God put me right in there to realize that that was just a fear that I had. And the people in the hospital needed help. And they needed Jesus. And what he wanted to do in my life was greater than the fear that I had. And thank God I got promoted because I, in my now, I did it with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, and I got promoted to a physical therapy aid. And so I got promoted, woohoo, to the physical therapy departments where they would do exercises. And I loved that department. And I didn't know because God didn't tell me then, because when I was in my now, I didn't know necessarily what was next. But I was a physical therapy aide, and then later on, I would go on to marry a physical therapist named Valerie Valdez now, who is a physical therapist. And so I am still a physical therapy aide. Come on, somebody. Because I am still helping that lady out. And little did I know in the now, God had something of what was next. And so that's what he does. So what do we do in the now to the next? And Jeremiah is this prophet. And my heart goes out to him because he had to say some things at times that God wanted to say, but the people didn't necessarily want to hear. And so I want to give you some context to Jeremiah 29 verse 11, because that's a great scripture. That's the scripture that we put up on the refrigerator. That's the scripture that we memorize. And I love the scripture. But maybe today it'll help us understand why he gave that scripture and why he gave it to them may help you today. In Jeremiah 29, God's people were in exile. 
They were actually captives because they were disobedient to God. And so they found themselves a lot of times in a place where they didn't want to be. And this reason was because it was their own fault. It was their own fault. They were living in Babylon. Babylon was not a good place to live. And they were captive. And so they were in a season of their lives that they did not want to be in. I don't know if you know this and if you realize that life has seasons. Some we are going into the hot, hot summer season. And whether you like hot or not, that's where we are going if you live in Temecula, California. Marietta, California, right? The Inland Empire, right? That's where we're headed. Seasons change, and that's a good thing. But many of us can find ourselves in different seasons of life that we don't like. I don't know if you've ever been there. You may be in that season right now. You don't know what's going on, but it's not necessarily a season that you are a mountaintop season. This is where the children of Israel find themselves. They are captive, and Jeremiah is going to be the word of the Lord to them, and maybe this will be the word of the Lord for us Today, for those of us that still have hopes, that those of us that still have dreams, we can look at what Jeremiah says and apply it to our lives. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. Here's what he's going to tell these people to do in captivity. Jeremiah 29, verse 5, it says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives and begat sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. Next verse. Verse six says this. It says, so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased. Everybody say that with me. Say increase. Can we say it like we want to increase? Can we say increase? So that we may increase there. Watch this. Not diminished. Not diminished. So here's what Jeremiah is telling a people who are in a season that they don't want to be in, but he's saying, hey, look, I want you to know this is what God wants you to do right now in this season. I want you to be building houses. I want you to be planting gardens, and I want you to increase, not decrease. In other words, in your now, in the season that you are in, I want you to be productive where you are right now. I want you to be productive right now, but I don't like where I'm at right now. They were captive in Babylon, and he said, I want you building, I want you planting, and I want you increasing. I want you building, I want you planting, and I want you increasing. What am I supposed to do in my now? I want you building, I want you planting, and I want you increasing. Well, what shouldn't I do? I don't want you to decrease. Notice the lesser is only one, and the other ones are greater. Pastor Phil, I'm not sure what to do. I, I have this dream. I want you building, I want you planting, and I want you increasing. Why is that? Because the tendency is in the now season, if it's not the season I like, the tendency is to withdraw and do nothing. And many people are sitting on the couch with dreams on the inside of them, hopes, and they are frustrated because they're not in the season that they want. But here's what we have to know. What we do now affects next. 
What I do now has the potential to either get me into the dream that God has and the hopes and the future, or I can actually miss that because of what I do now. And here's the reality. When you read in Jeremiah chapter 29, God told him, you're going to be there for 70 years. 70 years. I'm going to be here for 70 years, God. What do you want me to do? I want you to build. I want you to plant. And I want you to increase. 70 years. I want you to build. I want you to plant. And I want you to increase. So let's look at these. And let's break this down. And we're going to find out today why God was telling them to do this in the now. Because it kind of doesn't make sense. First, he tells them, I want you to be building. Building. Listen, so I'm going to be leaving Babylon in 70 years. But you want me to build a house? That, that doesn't even really make sense. I, build a house? You want me to build a house here? I'm in captivity. I'm in this season. I don't want to be here. And then I begin to think about what it takes to build a house. You know, the Bible talks about in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about building a house on the rock. And he uses the analogy of your house and your life, that your house is your life. And he talks about wise builders. He talks about foolish builders. And the wise builders are those that hear the word of God and doing it. And when I do the word of God, I'm building on a firm, immovable foundation. But you know what? When I hear the word and I don't do it, then I'm building on sand. And sand can go here and go there. And so when I build my house, I want to build a foundation that is Christ. I want to build on him right now. Now, right? But you know what? I've also realized, I've also realized that not only when you build a house, do you have to have a foundation, but there has to be some framework that goes up as you're building the house. And so I want my foundation to be Christ. But at the same time, if it's my life, I get to choose what the framework is. Now, My house is where I live, and if I'm going to pick the framework, the framework is going to be what's all around me. I'm going to have to choose and live whatever I choose to be the framework of my life is what I will live in. And so I thought about me, Pastor Phil. What do I want to be the framework of my life? I thought just about a couple things. I thought, here's one of the frameworks of my life. I want it to be faith. I want it to be faith. Now, all my life, I thought I was not a handyman. I thought I was, then I realized I am a handyman. I could go on a construction site and hand the guys the tools that they need. I'm a handyman. It's all perspective, people, all perspective. But I thought about what is going to be the framework of my life? You have to define this for you. See, I want faith to be the framework of my life. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. I was telling my wife as we talked, it's amazing how even as Christians, we can go from day to day and we can actually live our lives without God and thinking that everything is good. And I always, I was telling my wife, I always want to be a point in our life where we're always building, always increasing, and always planting. But that takes faith. And see, I want to come to a place in my life where I can stand up on a stage and tell you, if it were not for God, it would have never happened. 
See, if the dream that you have, you can do by yourself, it's not a God dream. If you can accomplish it by yourself, you don't need God to help you accomplish it. My dreams are so big that without God, they will not happen. And so to me, I want this to be the framework. Framework of faith is risk. I like to spell faith R-I-S-K. Faith pleases God. And not just in terms of my dreams, but in my work and the things that I do and praying for people. I want to make sure that I'm always drawing on what God has for me. It's so easy in today's world to be able to live in our own strength. I don't want to do that. I want the framework of faith around me. What framework do you want? But you know what? Here's another one that I thought of, and I just thought of four, and here, but here's the second one. I thought this would be a great framework for my life, commitment, <laughs> especially in today's world, right? Some people are like granola bars, fruity, flaky, and nutty. <laughs> Obviously, you've met the same people I have met. This word is foreign in today's culture. And I wish I was just talking about the world, but I'm not. But what I am talking about is even Christians and what they do with this one right here is, oh, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to be here today. Well, you weren't there today. So if the Lord told you, why don't you be committed to what he told you? I knew this one would be quiet. I didn't expect this one. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. We all need faith commitment. <laughs> but I want to remind us today, what you frame your life with, you will live in. And see, here's what I have learned as a pastor and as a person. There are many people in the world who are unreliable. That's not going to be me. I'm going to be committed and here's for some of us in this room, as I was praying this week, I felt like I needed to tell you. See, some of us aren't committed where we should be committed because people who were committed hurt us. And some of us have been hurt by people. And here's what I've had to learn. Not what people do to us is not God doing that to us. And here's what I've had to do. I've had to detach what people did to me from what God was doing in my life. There were many times who people were not committed in my life, family members, people who I thought were friends. And yet I looked at God and I said, God, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I'm not doing that. He says, you have to detach what they're doing from what I want to do in your life. Because see, although they will leave you, God says to me, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so here's my challenge. I want to be just as committed to the future and the hope that God has for me as God is to that. As a pastor, when I talk with people and we start talking about their dreams and their hopes, and then when I start getting more excited about their dream, when I start getting more committed than they're committed, it's not going to work. In counseling, when I'm counseling a couple, if I'm more committed to getting your marriage back together, but you're not as committed as I am, it won't work. You, this word will work. I want this to be the framework of my life because one thing I know about God, he is committed. And he is committed to us even beyond our commitment to him. Let me say that again. He's committed to us even beyond our commitment to him. Because see, he has a plan. And he's not going to change his plan. We may veer off the plan. But here's what's cool. He is so committed to that plan that if you get off the plan, he wants to get you back on the plan. 
Amen. Come on, that's a good word this morning. So I want to be a builder. This is what I want to frame my life. This is what I want to live in today. Here's another thing I just, I just thought about four for my life. I want to live in generosity. I want to be, I want this to be the frame of my life because see, reality is in generosity, this is the investment that I'm making towards my future. And see, I may not like the place that I'm at, but I'm going to show you here in a little bit that God chose these words for a reason, building, planting, and increasing, building, planting, and increasing. And so I am building and I want generosity because here's this reality. This part right here is my investment to the future. If you don't like your now, in your now, you can change your future by planting generosity seeds. And listen, before you freak out and think I'm just only talking about money, I'm not talking just about money. See, because some people think, well, I don't have a lot of money. And so that area, because they think it's only about money, they're not generous with their time. They're not generous with their encouragement. They're not generous with other things. And I'm telling you, this isn't just about your money. This is about your life. And here's what happens. And here's what's sad with people is they come into a season of that they're not happy with. And because they're not happy at work, they come home and then that affects their family. And because they're not happy at work, it affects their relationships at home and their wife. I thought you just weren't happy at work. Why did it have to affect your whole life? But here's what you can do. You can start to be generous and invest now for the future that God has for you. And it's going to be what you invest in the now that's going to get you to next. And so I want to be a person of generosity. I don't want to be a person who is stingy. My wife, who is helping in kids' life today, she said, you know, Phil, it's so funny because kids come in and the, the church gives them toys to play with, but they won't share the toys. And number one, the toys aren't even theirs. The toys are the church's, but they won't share. And I said, that's funny because the, the guys and even our adults, they won't share either. Maybe it just runs in the family. But here's the reality. And here is the challenge. In the season when I'm not happy, the tendency is to withhold and withdraw. But this could be the key to getting you out of your now into your next. I want to live in generosity. Here's another one. And again, I just picked four because, I don't know, maybe it's a small house and we're going to live in Babylon, so I'm not going to build that big. But I just thought... Excuse me, I'm not an artist. I see how these are. Maybe I am an artist. Kind of looks a little abstract. I want to live in this. I want to see people how God sees people. I want to see myself as God sees me. Like, I want to have compassion towards me, too, because you know what? God has compassion. The Bible says that Jesus moved with compassion. This is why the miracles happen, because Jesus loved people so much. And he even said that these two go together, love and faith. See, he loved people, but it was people's faith many times that he said it's your faith that made you whole. And so I want to live, and this is the framework of my life. Now, this doesn't make sense to me because God told them that they are to build in Babylon and they are leaving Babylon. It does not make sense to me. And then I started to pray through this a little bit. And then what I realized was what you build, God builds in you. See, when we started Passion Life Church four years ago, this has been the best season of our church. Our church has been growing, and I know it's summer now, and, but you know, the, the, the church has been growing. 
And I committed to the framework of our house of Passion Life Church. And me and my wife and others of you in here, we committed to build. We committed to build. And we committed to build. And you know what I found out? That I was, as I was building Passion Life Church, God was building me. As I was teaching faith, guess what happened? God was teaching me faith. And you know what? When I was talking about commitment, because yeah, I was committed and I wanted to be more committed. God was building commitment in me. And so when I was talking about and showing people generosity, God was growing my generosity. When I was talking about compassion for people, God opened up my heart to be more compassionate. And the reason why he told his people in a season that they didn't like to start building, because church family, they were going to leave their houses in Babylon. But you know what? What God was building in them was far more valuable than a house. It was character that he was building in a time of now and in a season that they didn't want to be in. And I'm telling you, you cannot build without it building you. You cannot encourage somebody else without it encouraging you. You cannot go out and set out to bless somebody else and it not bless you back. You cannot set out to impact people's lives and not be impacted yourself. So it wasn't about the house that they were leaving. It was about building their life in a season that they didn't want. Are you glad that you came to church this morning? I'm glad too. I'm glad you came. Whew, I'm preaching good. I may apply to be the pastor of this church. Maybe they'll hire me. So what am I supposed to do, Phil, from now till next? I'm building. I'm building. I'm building, what are you building? Building your family. And this side job, this odd job. See, I always gave my all, even if it was a side job. I never looked at it as this isn't just a season that I want to be in. See, many times in those moments, we look at our employer and we just, we just go, yeah, you know what? Uh, this is my side job. And you know what? Why don't you build right where you're at? Why don't you help somebody else out? The Bible says God's not even going to give you yours until you're faithful with another man's. Because he wants to build in you. You know why? Because your future is so great. Your future is so great. Here's number two. He told them building, planting, increase. This is what he said. Sorry, this is real life here. My apple fell off my pulpit. <laughs> he said, I want you to plant gardens. And I want you to listen to this because you're going to eat the fruit of the gardens that you plant. This may be a little too deep for you, and I don't even know if it makes sense, but I'm going to tell you, because it makes sense in my head. The environment of Babylon was not good. But God said, I want you to plant seeds in an environment that's not good, so you can produce an environment that you can't eat of. And so he says, plant gardens. My son loves apples. You know, and uh, I'm glad he does. He loves it more than candy. But right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is the evidence that somebody planted an apple seed. How do I know that they planted an apple seed? Because I have the apple. You know, I read that, you know how long it takes from the time that you plant an apple seed for it actually to become an apple? Two days. No, not two days. Three to four years. 
three to four years. Now, if you don't believe me, Google said that. So Google's always right. So how do I know that somebody invested three years ago to have this? Because I'm standing and holding the evidence. And this is such a delicious apple that I could take a bite out of it. But you know what? The person who planted it, their seed didn't look delicious at all. Their seed was this little small thing that you really don't know what to do with it. And a seed is not good until it's planted. That was the purpose of the seed. And here's the purpose of a seed for us today. A seed is you investing in your future. If I want future apples in three years, I need to plant a seed today. Well, Pastor Phil, I don't like my job. I just don't like my job. And so they're grumpy. They're mad, right? Well, here's my encouragement to you. Why don't you start to plant different seeds? Because here's what happens. When we're in a season we don't like, the temptation is to plant bad seeds. And what I don't like now, if I can change my seeds, I can change the future and I can change the outcome. But I got to plant the right seeds. So if I'm upset right now, and let me just remind you, the children of Israel were in captivity. And God is saying, I want you to plant seeds. I want you to grow gardens right where you're at. So where I'm at right now, right, I do now so I can see something in the future that I want to see. And here's what I would tell you. What is the dream? What is that God has planted? put in your heart to do. You need to start planting seeds now for the future, for the dream. See, somebody, last week we had a pastor that came to our, our service because he was observing. He was blown away. He's like, you, in four years, you guys are doing, look at, I mean, it's organized. It's, it, it's you know, it's, and that's like, oh, well, we hear that a lot. Like, I go to a church and they're not too organized over there. Come on, how many of you know God is a, a God of order, a decency and order, and things that need to be done in order? But he was blown away because he's going to be planting in San Diego. So he wanted to come take notes from us and what we're doing and seeing growth. And I just, I reminded him, I said, look, man, Dan, I want to tell you something. What you're seeing to now, what you're seeing today was four years in the making. It was four years of planting, of building and increasing. And we were building and planting when people were coming and going. And now, thank God that today we are seeing a harvest of four years of investing into our future. And let me just tell you this. If Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow, tomorrow is coming and your dream will come to pass. The future is coming. What are you doing in this season for the next? What are you doing in this season for the next? Building, planting, increasing. That's all investing in future. In future. Hope and future go together. He says, I want to give you hope future, a future and a hope. See, people who are hopeless don't build. People who are hopeless don't plant. People who are hopeless don't increase. People who lose hope, and you know why we lose hope? Because we don't see future. And I can imagine what the children of Israel 
were thinking about. They didn't see future. They were captive. And you may be in a season right now. You don't know what the next season's going to be like. You just have some, man, you have some hopes and some dreams. And this is why the Lord was telling them, I want you to know I have a plan. And the plan involves hope and future. You know what I found out about seeds is that seeds can be a couple things in our lives. Seeds can be our actions. See, I can plant encouragement in people's lives. See, right now, if you're discouraged, here's what I would say. Take your focus off yourself and start encouraging other people. That seed that you invest will come back to you. Will come back to you. You know what I think is funny is that somebody told me the other day, well, Pastor Phil, like little kids, like they really like you. They like, like you. I was like, you know why? Because I like kids. They don't like that person over there. Yeah, that person doesn't like kids. I like kids. So you know what I do? I plant seeds and kids like it. And then I love kids and they love me. Why? Because I plant those seeds. See, sometimes we don't realize the power of the seed because in the seed has the potential to create your future. And so my actions, well, I just don't like my job. Well, you're never going to get promoted. See, and the reality of it is, is that mindset permeates in our culture, but it didn't in people in the Bible like David. David was thrown out to the backyard because he was the youngest child. Many theologians believe that David, the guy that killed the giant, was an illegitimate child from Jesse. And so he was put in the backyard. But guess what? In the season of the backyard, you know what he started to do? He started building, planting, and increasing. He'd pick up his little harp and begin to sing to God right there, singing to all the sheep. Uh, Here I am to worship. And the sheep are like, that's bad. That's bad. Don't do that. And David was like, here I, right? And his voice is changing because he's like 13. And right, he wasn't Justin Bieber, right? Never say no, right? And well, I'll never know, right? And in the backyard, ladies and gentlemen, he killed his first lion. In the backyard, he was killing bears. See, all the teenagers, right, in his time going to school, they had posters of Taylor Swift. He had a lion's head in his room. You know why? Because he could maximize the season that he was in. He didn't just sit there and go, I don't know why I'm in the backyard. I'm just in the backyard. I hate the backyard. Those sheep, you want that sheep, lion? Go ahead, go ahead. I don't care. I don't want to be here. See, we read the Bible and we know about Goliath, but David didn't know that Goliath was coming down the pike. And so what happened was David started planting seeds of faithfulness and commitment. He says, you know what? I'll give my life for those sheep. And he killed a lion and the bear. And when he looked at Goliath, he said, they will be no different than that lion and that bear. And apart from Jesus dying on the cross, David killing Goliath is the most famous Bible story in the whole wide world. And you know where he was? He started in the backyard. And so don't tell me your actions can't be seeds. You know, let's talk to Joseph. Joseph had a dream. His family tried to kill him. But you know what happened? He got involved and he got sold to a guy named Potiphar. 
Potiphar was not a godly guy. Do you know what happened in the season of Joseph's life? He served Potiphar. He was generous to Potiphar. The Bible says that Potiphar put uh, uh, Joseph over everything in his house. And this is what I love. In a season that was not the season for Joseph, his dream wasn't coming to pass. The Bible said God blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Wait. So what I do for Potiphar blesses Potiphar. And if I'm working for Potiphar, it blesses me as well. So God blessed an ungodly man for Joseph's sake. But I think today what we do is like, well, my boss is not a Christian. He's doing that stuff outside, you know. He's nah, he's, you know, he's this. It doesn't matter because you're there to serve God. You're there to serve the Lord. And what if God blessed Papa John's pizza because you work there? And if God blesses Papa John's pizza, you get blessed too because you work there. And so our actions of generosity, and let me just help you today, my church family. What we do, even in the season we're at, we do it for God. That's why the Bible says in everything you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory. See, and you know what another thing seeds can be? Seeds can be words that we speak. Words that we speak. You know, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat, listen to the words again, shall eat the fruit of it. So my words can be seeds. Can I just encourage us even as parents? Be careful the seeds that you are planting over your kids. I hear parents say this all the time. What's wrong with you? What do you want your kid to turn around and go, I'm a demon. I mean, what, what, I don't, what, 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 what are you expecting from that? Your kid didn't think something was wrong until you asked what was wrong with them. They thought they were cool. But why not speak life? Why not say, you know what? You can do it, son. You know what? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God loves you unconditionally. Why not speak God's life over them and plant seeds, right? So they don't go to school with all this like self, right? Low self-esteem issues. They don't know who they are. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't tell your kids who they are, the world will tell them who they are. And sometimes we're not using our words as seeds. And I want to eat the fruit of good seeds. And here's the last one for today. Building, planting, increase. You know, God told them, get married, have kids. I want you to increase and not decrease. Because I know the tendency is to withdraw. But look in Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Look at what it says. This is pretty amazing. God says through Jeremiah, he says, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. Listen to these words in the NIV. It says it this way. 
And remember, he's talking to a people who are not in the season that they want to be in. They're captive. And listen to what he tells them. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Listen to what he's telling them. Pray the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you prosper too. If it prospers, you prosper too. So in the season that I don't want to be in, if I will seek the prosperity of those around me, those who I work for, guess what happens? What I make happen for other people, God makes happen for me. That is the law, ladies and gentlemen, of sowing and reaping. You see that in David's life. You see it. In Joseph's life, not only does he prosper in Potiphar's house, but you know what? His Potiphar's wife, right, starts accusing him of all these things, and then he gets thrown into prison. And you know what the Bible says? In the prison of his life, he has favor. And in the prison of his life, you know what he's found doing? Being generous. Some guys talk to them about talk to Joseph about their dreams and they say, hey, we had a dream. And I could just see Joseph, I don't want to talk about no dreams. My dream got me here. But you know what? He served them and interpreted their dream. And it was in his generosity in the season that he didn't like that ended up getting him before Pharaoh because Pharaoh had a dream. And so Pharaoh needed someone to interpret the dream and they remembered Joseph in the prison. And Joseph went from the prison to the palace because in every season that he was in, he sought the prosperity of the people around him, the people that were over him. And every time he got blessed because what he made happen for other people, God made happen for him. Well, I don't feel encouraged. Encourage other people. You will be encouraged. Serve other people. You know what? It'll come back in the season. And so I want to close with this today. Because I, I really struggled this week with this text. And I prayed a lot. God, you're gonna, I read commentaries. I read. And I said, Lord, I need your wisdom on this. Why would you tell people that are in captivity to build, to plant, and to increase, build houses that they would not stay in, plant gardens that they eventually would leave and increase in a land, in a season that they were not happy. And I felt like the Lord told me this, because free people build, plant, and increase. Free people build, plant, and increase. So what God was doing in there now was getting them ready for next. Because when they would leave Babylon, he didn't want them to have a slave mentality, a captive mentality. What he was doing in Babylon was preparing them for the hope and the future that he has for them. That's why in Jeremiah 29, 11, if you'll put that up, and I want to end where I started Today, when we look at this, for I know 
the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, whatever season that you're in right now, this verse, the thoughts and the plans that God has for you, plans of peace, plans not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. If you believe that, you know what you will start to do? You will start to build, you will start to plant, and you will start to increase. You will start to build when I know that there's a hope. I am leaving Babylon. This season in my life is not forever. Come on, somebody. Seasons change. I said seasons change. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to get in one season that we're stuck. Remember the children of Israel when they left uh, Egypt? It was really like an 11-day journey, but it was a season that lasted 40 years because they couldn't get a handle on the season that they were in. But in this passage, God said, I want you to start investing in your future. Maximize the season that you're in because what we do now determines next. Come on, would you give the Lord a great round of applause for his word? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 